Hey, yo, 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 welcome to another episode of Coffee with Kareem. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Tell all your friends I'm still alive. Those of you who haven't jumped ship and unsubscribed me, thank you so much. And my patrons who are still continuing to support the show, thank you, thank you even more. So a quick summary of what's going on in my world. Just turned age 40. Uh, this last July, 2021, 40 years old. I got four kids now, five years, all five years and under. So y'all know that's busy. Frozen in Massachusetts for 24 years, melted in California for 16 years. Now I'm living in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. What? What? Why is Kareem living in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil? Well, my wife is Brazilian, so that should explain a lot. But uh, after, you know, these few years of COVID, I think a lot of people, 2021 was a tough year for a lot of people in a lot of ways. And uh, after that, you know, we uh, decided to be near family and get some help, especially knowing there was uh, Lois sending us another little princess. So, you know, getting that family support was a really good idea. And so we decided to come down here, give it a try. Uh, alhamdulillah, uh, it's been all right. You know, I'm adjusting. I got a really nice office. I'm looking at a beautiful green mountain right now with palm trees in the distance. And, uh, you know, people are friendly. It's summer right now, so it's hot. And, um, yeah, that's my uh, latest update. That's why I've just been MIA, dude. Moved internationally, had another baby. You know, still, you know, dealing with the resonance and, and after effects of the COVID year. Like all of us, it's been a lot, mates. You know, what can I say? But uh, inshallah, 2022, I want to pick up the pace again. Got a lot of things I'd like to share. So many good themes that keep coming up in my, per in my professional work with our community that I, you know, think it's important to discuss. You know, moving one's family is a big deal. And it, it really does bring up some practical Islamic psychological principles or tools, right? It's like the first one is... You know, you're trying to make a decision as a family on what's best for your family. It doesn't mean it's best for you. Like, Kareem, it's not best for me personally, right? My ego. But I got to extend and think about what's best for my four young kids, have a sense of community rather than be away from all their family, right? My family's all over the planet. Um, you know, and then, of course, environment and finance and Muslim culture and all that stuff. And, and you know... My kids are really young, so there's a lot of things you don't have to worry about as much, you know. But uh, the point is, is, you know, making a decision, a big decision in life, really requires us to reflect on that we say in the Fatiha every day. You alone, Ya Allah, the divine reality, creator, sustainer of all the worlds. Do we truly depend on and need and require for all our affairs? You know, and it's like, think about it. Submission and practice, for instance, is this move I made to Brazil with my family. It's like, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know. It could, you know, there's catastrophic ways it can go. There's an ultimate good ways it can go. I don't know. All I know is that as a creature with a little bit of experience and, you know, intellect and planning and, and strategizing with my wife, 
you know, we came to realize that this, you know, based on the data, based on the factors, this is probably the best thing for us to try right now. And Allah knows best, but then we go and we do it. And Allah made it, of course, you know, when they say Allah makes things easy, it's like, it's really true. You know, it's like you find the tickets at the price range you want. You know, I was able to find an apartment for my family that's near their fa near my uh, in-laws and extended family. At the same time, I, I, you know, it's walking distance from an office that I can go work at where I am right now, you know, slash studio. Like all those things just lined up, you know. Um, the move itself, like packing, getting everything clean, we were renting, so you know, you gotta do all this stuff, man, to fix up a house before you give it back to the owners and the deposits and just, oh my God. I mean, I'm still burnt out, honestly. But uh, it just, tawakkul and isti'ana Allah, it's like, I don't know what's gonna happen, but it seems the most reasonable course of action, so I'm gonna take it. And as that process seems to kind of groove itself forward, you feel more secure in that decision and then you, it just coalesces, it aligns, it synchronizes with like, you know, maybe what Allah had planned for you, you know, is something that you led yourself to in that sense, right? Because it's always about trying to do your best or ask, when we ask Allah to guide us to do what's best for us, it's not about asking Allah to give us just what we want, right? Was, like, I would love to just, min, you know, make $10 million dollars you know, through the stock market or whatever, and just not have to worry about all this stuff, right? Like, but that's, that's what I want. That doesn't mean that's what's best for me. That doesn't mean that's what's gonna help me with my existential spiritual journey of becoming a better man, husband, father, inshallah, servant of God, you know? Uh, one thing I appreciate about Buddhist, Buddhist teachings, and I didn't quite get it when I was young, like in, you know, undergrad or high school, was, you know, the first principle or the, one of the first sacred truths of the noble path in Buddhism is that life is suffering, right? And it's true. The dunya is not made to be a jannah. You know, a dunya sijnatul mu'min wa jannatul kafir. That the dunya is like a, um, a prison or it's confined in a lot of ways to the believer, to the one who is living for God and ultimate sacred reality. But it is a paradise for the kafir, for the one who disbelieves, does not consider a creator in their daily affairs, uh, does not evaluate, assess the fact that there's an akhirah and an account on your soul. They have a very different life, very different goals, very different desires, very different worries and anxieties. Right? Remember, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَةِ وَذَكْرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that in the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu is the most exalted or best of examples for you. لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ For those who have hope, optimism, joy for God. Meeting God, knowing God, finding God, seeking God in this life and the next, right? يَرْجُ اللَّهِ And the hereafter. Now, why would somebody, let's say, hope for the hereafter or they, you know, I mean, you have to believe in it, but why would you hope for it? Well, because if you really lived a dutiful, good life, you know, you're, it's just like when you know you've been a good boy, you know you're going to get a reward from mom and dad or your boss or your teacher, you know? So you're, you're kind of, you know, you're looking forward to that. Like, I studied really hard. I'm looking forward to seeing what grade I got on my final exam, right? That kind of feeling, yeah? You're also hoping for the injustice to be made just, absolute karma, 
is going to smash down on every living creature in the in the akhirah right liman yarja allah wal yawm al akhirah wa dhakara allah kathira and has a lot of conscientiousness recalling dhikr of allah azza wa jal so if you think about it, three simple things like the path of islam the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu the way of any prophet or or true revelation from the divine creator these Prophets and this path is a great example, a great model, a great worldview for those that hope for God, the Akhirah, and remember God often and are conscientious of God often. So those are the three conditions. If those things aren't important to you, then you're never going to find an intimacy with religion and, none, and certainly not Islam. Never. You can't. Right? It's, it's difficult if those three things don't affect you. In your life. And I'll tell you, I speak, I've spoken to thousands of Muslims over the years. And this is a lot of people. Those three things don't actually affect their life. There's no way you can really have taqwa of Allah and hope for Allah's reward and forgiveness when you are a narcissistic, you know, controlling parent over your kids. And you just don't care how you're ruining people's lives, you know, whatever, in whatever way you are. Or there's too much enmeshment in your family. You know, you keep lying to your spouse. You pretend, you try to make sure everyone thinks you're so trustworthy and, and honest and such a good Muslim, but you're, you know, literally a piece of crap at home. You know, that's not, there's no consistency there, which means your iman is not sound, right? You're still play-rolling religion for people, and you don't have ikhlas fiddin lillah. So, bringing it back though, I mean, there's just so much stuff that's been happening, but... I thought it was a good reminder just to get things started today, you know, is tawakkul ala Allah is about <clears throat> taking the best means you have as a creature, all your experience, your knowledge, make planning and strategy, research, and then you just go for it. You got to just jump into the river, you know, it's, it's already established you're going to get wet. But whether or not the current's going to take you one way or another, you're going to swim or die, you don't know. But you, if you accept you're going to get wet and that's okay with you, then jump in, right? In other words, there's going to be discomfort. And if we don't learn how to get comfortable with discomfort, how are you ever going to grow and manage and cope with things? And that's definitely one of the talks I want to give this year is there's a lot of people out there, especially in our community, you know, they just don't have any life skills or coping skills. There's a bunch of boys and girls with salaries or jobs or degrees living at home with their parents, living in total enmeshment. There are still immature boys and girls, not men and women, trying to get married or they went off and got married. And it's just, there's just a lot of that happening, right? And being a man, for instance, is about, you're not, in my opinion, there is only so much manhood and masculinity you will accomplish if you're living with your parents. And again, I'm speaking as a Muslim in the West who grew up in the West. Okay, it's different in Pakistan and Egypt. I get that, right? But here, it's, it's really difficult to live with your parents even though you have a job, you have a degree, and you're making money as a man and you're trying to get married. Your parents will still treat you like a boy or a child or their son. And the other side, this, you know, the woman you want to marry's family will see you also as, you know, your parent's son. But it's a very different approach when you're on your own two feet. When I left Massachusetts for San Francisco at age 24, that was my rite of passage. I left, 
I left with two suitcases and a guitar, moved into a hostel in North Beach in San Francisco. Beautiful, beautiful uh, area. Not a beautiful pad I had, but a beautiful area. So it bounced out. But it was the first time I had to really do everything on my own. Laundry, find food, you know, get a job. You know, if I'm, my savings are running out, I gotta work, I gotta do this, I gotta get another job, I was going to grad school. That makes a man out of you, it makes an adult out of you, right? And I know it's a bit different for, let's say what's expected in the feminine from females or daughters in our culture is even in the West, but you know, I'm addressing the, the masculine first, you know, right now. One of the way, lastly, one of the things I wanted to share was, I mean, you have to consider my environment here, it's very isolating and alienating. I don't know the language. I don't know Portuguese. Those of you who thought Brazil speaks Spanish, like, got you, right? You get learn more, learn, <laughs> review your geography a bit better. But yeah, they speak Portuguese. And uh, it's the biggest country in South America, so I get it. A little confusing, like, I thought everyone speaks Spanish. Nope. And, uh, you know, and we live in like a, a more of a suburban area. So it's not like super, you know, metropolitan. Right? How do I deal with that? How do I cope with that? My life motto right now is basically just focusing on God, family, and, you know, work, you know? And when I focus on God, that part is also focusing on me. In other words, self-care. So knowing that Allah created me means I have to also take care of myself. If I'm not exercising, I'm eating too much sugar, I'm not diversifying my lifestyle, I'm feeling clogged up, I'm starting to feel depressed, I'm getting lazy with salah, all that stuff is, under my category with God, too, right? It's not just, oh, let me go learn a class online. That's not a relationship of God. That's a relationship to educational studies that someone else is telling you about God. But I'm talking about every day you get up and you're dealing with God, with yourself. What should you do today to have a better day than yesterday to show your conscientiousness, remembrance of God, and knowledge that the Akhirah is coming. It can come at any time. And I could go back at any time, you could go back at any time, right? We've got to take every day like this, as much as possible. Last New Year's episodes, we talked about wasting time. How did you do with your time in this last year? Went by fast, huh? SubhanAllah. Earlier I said, one of the first noble truths of the Buddhists is, life is suffering. And suffering is proportionate to the human attachments. How the human attaches to values and ideas objects and things, and let's say people and nature. That's what our attachments are about. It's how Kareem has values and principles, like I believe in honesty, I value hard work, I value intellect, I value spirituality, I value generosity, I value certain ideas or philosophies more than others, right? Then there's attachments to objects and things. I have attachments to my computer, to my guitar, to let's say some really good high quality musk that I have, you know? Um, there's attachments. And then there's attachments to people or nature. So like living things. Some people love animals more than human beings, right? That's their attachment. Some people are all about the planet Earth more than they are fighting for feeding hungry children, right? Those are like, you know, their attachment is to, the, to ecology, let's say. Um, you can have attachments to people, like over-attachments to your spouse, your children, a friend, and you know, and then when things don't go perfect in your ideal world as a person, your suffering occurs, right? If I'm over attached to my car and it gets scratched at my next Jomah prayer, 
there's a problem. If I'm overattached to my kids and my kids want to spend some time alone or with their friends, there's a problem. If I'm overattached to my spouse and every time they have time, you know, they're not working, I expect them to be, you know, giving me 100% attention, affection, approval, there's a problem. That's attachment. So life is suffering. Suffering is proportionate to your attachments. Attachments are made of three things, usually. One are values and ideas. We attach to objects and things. And we attach to people or nature itself, right? Living things. And our attachments are, let's say, the essence of connection and relationship and what gives ourselves meaning in life. Right? Meaning is all about how things we value and are attached to connect or don't connect to our lives, in a sense. Right? So attachments in a personal domain, psychologically, it leads to fulfillment and a sense of self-worth. So if I attach myself to the value that Islam is important to my life, having conscientiousness of God is important in my life, I value that there's an akhirah coming and that should affect the way I choose to do actions or deeds right now, today and tomorrow before I go back to my origin, right? That's a type of value or idea that I find identity in. So personally, our attachments are about identity and self-worth and how we anchor ourselves in personal meaning and then we navigate through the world through that. And usually trauma is something that comes and ruptures the worldview or psychological establishment that we've used up until this point in our lives where a trauma comes and let's say shatters it. Like for instance, let's say, you know, you believed your parents were honest, good, hardworking Muslims, and then like turns out, you know, they're embezzling money or whatever. And like the FBI is like arrested them. Like, you know, you know, something like that. Or turns out you thought your wife always loved you and honored you and she's cheating with the pool guy. Like that's trauma. That's stuff that shatters your world. Like you just did not expect something so shocking and out of what's familiar and predictable for you to not be the case. So then that goes, you have to go through a process there of readjusting and reassembling how you attach, how you value, how you make meaning of things, okay? So attachments in a person, it's about finding that psychological fulfillment, self-worth, personal anchoring and meaning. How attachments manifest in relationships, like in a marriage or in family structures, it translates as whatever I'm attached to as far as values, objects, or people. That translates as my needs of fulfillment, bonding, and love in a relationship. So if I'm married to, let's say, a very materialistic woman, her main attachment is about objects and things, if I get her more of that stuff, that translates as she's fulfilled in the marriage, right? Because I'm giving her what she's attached to or what she over-identifies or values, let's say, right? And so that will affect the relationship. There's other cases where, let's say, person doesn't want, they don't have attachment to objects and things. They have attachments to people, values, and ideas. So if you're not a practicing Muslim and you said you were, or you, you said you love quality time, but you're always avoiding your spouse, you know, that person's not gonna be fulfilled because what they're attached to isn't occurring in their actual relationship, right? And if I don't know how to do that for myself in some fashion, i.e. I'm not totally codependent on someone else to give me personal psychological self-worth or meaning, then that person's gonna suffer personally and in their relationship a lot more, right? And that's when people have, let's say, codependency.
How you use your time has a lot to do with what you're attached to. And what you're attached to is proportionate to your suffering if it's lost or something happens to it. And by your nature, human nature, insan, anas, anisa, you know, one of those meanings is you are a bonding, you are a creature of bonding. You are a sociable, attachable creature, a being of attachments, because it's all about relationships, it's all about connection. That's the, let's say, premise of how we discover meaning and the way things work in reality. It's about how the one is constellated of the many parts and those many infinite relationships, the interconnectivity and so forth, right? And so this year, re-examine what are you really attached to? Because you can have healthy attachment or unhealthy attachment. You can have positive, healthy coping mechanisms or, or unhealthy destructive coping mechanisms. They're all possible, right? But what we desire and what we attach to as far as those three categories, values and ideas, objects, things, or people in, let's say, nature, living things, determines the course of your life, the course of how you use your time. May Allah increase all of us and guide me to serve His servants in the best way I can and continue to offer good feedback, advice, and, and tips and tools for myself first and everybody out there who's still listening. Tell all your friends, yo, Coffee with Cream is back. Alhamdulillah, I'm still alive. May Allah give us all a good, uh, worthy life. And uh, tell your friends and uh, resubscribe. And, uh, and thanks again. And thanks again to my patrons, every single one of you who did not jump ship and you're still supporting the show. Um, may Allah also help me be better. And please uh, send me some messages on Patreon. Let me know what you'd like to hear more topics of this year. Uh, feel free to contact me. I, I know, again, I've been MIA, but trying to get back online as much as possible these days. I've just been super focused on uh, being responsible, honestly. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of days my nephs just wanted to, you know, run away and, and play my guitar on the beach for a couple weeks and not have to worry about all this stuff. But, um, you know, but that's part of what makes anybody a stronger, more mature, more resilient, accountable person. And if the Akhir is all about account, we better get used to holding ourselves to account for things. And we better get used to attaching and valuing and pursuing the right things because all that hisab, right, all that account down to the mustard seed is going to be scaled. So may Allah SWT help us accomplish the best journey towards Him and, and end our lives in a state of Islam and Iman. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. Until next time on the Coffee with Kareem podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.